You are listening to the Manifesting God podcast with your host, Marie Elizabeth. This podcast will uplift and thrust you into the manifestation of the promises of God in your life. Good evening, good evening. Thank you so much for joining today. You are listening to the Manifesting God podcast. I am your host, Prophetess Marie Elizabeth. It's so good to see you all on this evening. I am so glad that the warm weather will be with us tomorrow. God is truly good. He has not only kept me, but he's kept you. He's kept us through dangers seen and dangers unseen. In other words, he has kept us from things that we know not of. And for that, I am grateful. I am grateful to be standing. And not only am I standing, I've got my praise. You've got your praise. I'm so glad to see you all on this evening. It has been a blessed week. I've had a good weekend. I hope you all have gotten some rest. Let's get ready to get into this word. You know where we're going. Revelations 2 and 18. Get over to Revelations 2 and 18. Let's get ready to get started. And you know what? Let's be thankful. Let's be grateful. Let's stop whining. Let's stop complaining because God is keeping us. He is keeping us. Listen, you woke up in your right mind. You have your health. You have your health. That's a commodity right now in the middle of a pandemic. You have your health. You have your strength. You have your right mind. God is keeping you. You should be grateful. God alone is providing for you. You might not have everything you believe that you want to eat. That's probably not good for you anyway, but you have that which you need. You woke up this morning, you have God's promises and you have his grace and you have his mercy. You have his mercy. Come on. We've got to learn to be grateful. We've got to learn to be thankful. We've got to stop murmuring and complaining. We've got to come together and work with Christ. We must work with Christ. Come on, Revelations 2 and 18. And you know, we've been going over the different churches and I still seem to be in order. It wasn't my intent to go in order, but I still seem to be in order. We started off with Ephesus and we talked about, we talked about with Ephesus, Ephesus, how God recognized their labor and their patience. And he understood, he understood where they were at, but he told them, don't forget. He told them, do not forget where, from where you have fallen. Don't forget your first state. And he wanted them to return to their first state, to repent, to repent. It was very important to him that they repent. So repentance, and you're going to see it in almost every one of these books, it is necessary. So we can't get up and go about our day. We can't get up and go about our lives without First, seeking God's repentance for that which we've done or said that we that we know of, and even those things that we do not know of, we must repent. And then he wrote to the church of Smyrna and he told them that I know your works, I know your tribulation, I know your poverty, and guess what? I even know your tolerance. 
I know your tolerance of those that say they are with you and they are not with you. But he told them, don't worry about any of that. You stay focused on me. I'm going to fight that battle for you. You stay Focus on me. Don't worry about all the ins and outs that are happening around you. You stay focused on me. And if you can hear me, if you can hear me, he told them, I'm going to come through there and I'm going to cut asunder that which doesn't belong to me. I'm going to do the separating. I'm going to do the separating. Yes, I thank God so much that he himself has promised to do the separating. He said, I'm coming through with a two-edged sword and I'm going to cut asunder that which does not belong to me. I don't care if it's trying to act as if it's attached to me, but I'm going to cut it asunder. And that brings us down to chapter eight, verse 18, where we're talking about the church of Thyatira. And it says uh, in 2.18, and the angel, and to the angel, and I'm reading in the Amplified Version, divine messenger, it says in parentheses, in the Amplified Version of the Church of Thyatira, right? These are the words of the Son of God, who has eyes, and in parentheses, it says that flash like a flame of fire in righteous judgment, and whose feet are like burnished white hot bronze. He says in verse 19, oh, I know your deeds. I know your deeds, your love, your faith and service. I know your service. I know your patience. I know, I know of your endurance. I know it. I know what he said. And then he said, and I also know that your last deeds are more numerous and they're greater than the first. So I know how you started out. I know how you were about your father's business. I know how you focus your deeds towards your father's business. And I know how you do even greater works now, even greater deeds now. I know, I see your works, your previous works. I even see your greater works there. But let's look at what this means in the Greek. When he says, uh, in the Hebrew, he says work in the Greek. And the he says, I know your work. And the word there is ergon, ergon. And it means, check this out, it means employment. It means I know what you have undertaken. I know what you're uh, what you're working on. It, it, and, and this word is defined as any product, whatever you can accomplish by your hand, by industry, by mind, any act, any deed, anything that's done, any idea that's working. Any, any opportunity that you take advantage of, that which is related to the work of your own hand and your own mind. I know your deed. I know your ergon. I know your works. And you're doing more of your works than you've done in the past. You're doing more of your works today, more of your deeds today, more of what you can accomplish by hand what more than that which you can accomplish by industry or mind, you're doing even more of that, he's telling them. You're doing even greater 
than you were doing before. So they started out doing the work of their hand, doing the work of their mind, of their industry, of their arts. They started out doing that. And as time progressed, they did even more of that. They did even more of that. So the focus, the work, yes, you're working. But again, and I've said this in the past, are we doing what God is asking of us or are we doing that which we can work with our own mind, that which we can work with our own plan? The, the ergon, the, the Greek word ergon here, it says that which we are, that which you can do by your own hand, by your own mind, by your own art, through your own industry. Are we doing even more of that. See, there, there comes a time, and we talked about this before, when you have to weigh your works. Weigh your works. W-E-I-G-H. Weigh your works. Make sure that the work that you are doing is that which God is asking for, that which he is requiring for. That is something that I'm very careful because in the natural, I'm a planner. In the natural, I manage programs. In the natural, I manage projects. In the natural, I can organize the who out of the what. In the natural, I can bring calm to chaos in the natural, but I have to make sure that what I'm working on, I'm constantly checking and rechecking to make sure that that which I am working on, that which I am putting my efforts to, my hands to, is what God is requiring of me, is what God is asking of me. Otherwise, we see here by the third church of Thyatira, as time goes on, you will only increase. You will only increase in doing more of what God is not asking for. If we don't learn to check and double check that what God, that what we are doing is what God wants. This is telling us that we will only, as time goes on, do even more of what God is not asking for, even more of what God is not looking for. And that's especially, especially important in this particular time, in this particular time where things are now getting to the point where the numbers are going down with the virus in this particular moment, as of this particular day could change in the next five minutes, but numbers are going down. So folks are deciding now to go back and try and recapture what they know as normal what they perceive as normal, what makes them comfortable, whatever work they were doing, whatever they had their hand in, whatever they previously could set their mind to, whatever they could work through their industries, whatever could be they were working on before, they are now starting to seek to go do more of the same more of the same. So what am I saying to you? You must recheck and make sure before you pick up what you previously put down, that that is what God wants, that that is indeed what God is requiring of you. And let me tell you why I'm saying this, because it is uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable to operate in something that is not your norm. It is uncomfortable to operate in something that is not your norm because it is unfamiliar. 
It brings out insecurities. It brings out insecurities. So a lot of times when God is taking me someplace that I've not been before, I am extremely uncomfortable. I cannot breathe in that new air right away. It takes time for me to adjust. It takes time for me to get comfortable. And when God directs me to do something that I've not done before, those, those that know me know that I've said time and time again, I am not comfortable talking in front of people. It's, I'm just not comfortable. I will text something half to death just to be able to keep track of my words. I am not comfortable, but I've learned that that uncomfortable state, the I'm better in the uncomfortable state than I am in the comfort state. I'm better. I'm better when I am. Why? Because I am completely and wholly depending on Christ. I cannot lean at all to my own understanding because I have none. Because I have none. The only understanding I have is Christ. So I have to depend on him to direct my path. I have to depend on him to direct my words. I have to depend on him to make sure that what I'm saying to you is indeed what he wants me to say. So imagine how I must have felt when God said, do a podcast. You mean talk to people that I can't even see and that you would think that that would make a person that doesn't want to talk in front of people more comfortable. But that's even worse because now you don't always know who you're talking to. You don't always know who you're impacting. So you really need God to guide not just your words, but your syllables. You need him to literally guide every thing that you are saying, that you are doing every gesture, because it is a place of being uncomfortable. So we have to be careful that what we're going to pick up now, now that things may be able, may be open to us a little bit more, now that the road is not so narrow and it starts to widen, we have to be careful and make sure that we're walking on the right side of that road as it expands. Otherwise, otherwise, see, we must be careful that we still are walking a narrow path, even though the road has now expanded. Otherwise, we're going to find ourselves on the wrong side of the road, heading in the wrong direction. And the direction that we're heading in is going to be leading us away from the things of Christ, the things that Christ desires of us. So we must on purpose, not only examine ourselves, but examine our surroundings, examine our actions, examine what is in our hand. What are we putting the word ergon here? What are we putting our hands to? What are we putting our art to, our gifts to? What are we putting our mind to? and make sure that it is of Christ. I am one that I always ask Christ, if that is not the direction that you want me to go and shut me down, shut it down. I don't care. My feelings might be hurt. I will get over it. I'd rather have my feelings be hurt than go one mile, one quarter of a mile, one footstep in the wrong direction. 
in the wrong direction or have my hands with the death grip of life holding on to something that God does not want us to hold on to. Some of you who know my history, um, oh, years ago, I used to do, uh, I used to be the praise and worship leader. That's how, and that was discomfort, that was uncomfortable enough to have to talk in front of people, but to sing in front of people and to lead others in worship. I could, I could worship all day long, but in front of people and a mic was a completely different thing. And so as I began to, um, as I began to transition out of that space, it was extremely uncomfortable and it was uncomfortable for me because I didn't want to let it go because I was comfortable with it. I was familiar with it. I got to the point where I could do it with my eye closed. Even though I might've been nervous, I could still do it, but it was, it was comfortable to me. So, and I held onto it with a death grip and it almost killed me when my leader ripped it out of my hands. It almost, but he had to rip it or otherwise I wouldn't be sitting in front of you today. I was determined to hold on to it because that was something that I had done from my childhood. I could always sing. It was a natural gift, but to do something other than singing required my dependence upon God. Singing just required me to open my mouth and sing the words that were put in front of me. But to be in front, to speak, now that required something completely different. That was a completely different um, um, way of, of, of a completely different obligation, a completely different set of rules, a completely different set of circumstances, a completely different set of rebukes. Complete, see, I was comfortable with the rebukes that came with singing wasn't comfortable with the rebukes that came with, with ministering because I was already unsure. See, what God is calling for us today to do is to move into those places of discomfort, move into those places that cause us to wholly depend on him. And to do that, nothing around you is going to look familiar. Nothing in your hand, no work in your hand, no work that you put your hand to, no work that you put your mind to, no work that you apply your gift to is going to be comforting. Not one. No, not one. You will live in the land of I know not. You just won't know. You can study the word of God. I study the word of God. And still, no matter what, when it comes time, when it comes time to do the podcast, you, I just feel my heart drop, feel my whole heart drop. But I'm dependent upon God to say what he needs to say to you through me. I'm wholly dependent upon him. And you will know that you are in the right place at the right time, when you are wholly dependent upon him, you don't know what you're supposed to say. You're insecure about everything you say. You don't know if it's right. You believe it's right because it's the word of God, but you don't know if you said it right. You feel like nobody understood you. You don't know if you're using the right words. I'm trying to help you get comfortable being uncomfortable. Because that is the place that Christ is taking us 
two. He's trying to take us to that place where that where he has already opened the door for us. The opportunity is already there, but we must get comfortable being uncomfortable. And being uncomfortable means that we're going to be doing things not only within ourselves that we're uncomfortable with, but we're going to have to do some things that God requires of us that are uncomfortable. See, I'm a, I'm a loner. I'm a loner. I am very good with myself. I am very good on the weekend sitting down reading a book for hours. I love to read. I can sit down. My leader always says, if you don't read, you can't lead. And I have like three messes. I love romance novels. I love reading spiritual books that pertain to a better Christian life. I love reading about other Christians' experiences and what they've learned through their experiences that they write about to share with us. And then there's my education. That's also a part of God's plan for my life. And I love reading books on leadership and I love reading um, books on guidance. I love reading anything that's going to make me grow in, in, in leadership and make me grow spiritually. I love and anything romance. I love anything that's going to make me love my spouse better, love my family better. Just, just genuine love. I love love like that. So, you know, I just, I, so I sit down and I just read, but even with all of that, even with all of that, I can still get tongue tied, get tongue tied or be not so sure of my words when it's actually time to speak it. It's called being, getting comfortable when you're uncomfortable and just trust that God is going to be able to say what he needs to say through you. You do your part and apply yourself to his word. Apply yourself to the reading of the scriptures. Apply yourself to the education that he's directed you to. Apply yourself to it and so that you have it in you so that the Holy Spirit can bring it out at the needed time. You have to apply yourself. So that, again, you got to get comfortable doing things that are uncomfortable. Sometimes some people aren't readers. They don't like to read. It makes them uncomfortable. But you got to read. What is the Holy Spirit to pull out of you to pour into others if you have nothing in you? The Holy Spirit teaches you all things, but you got to have something in you for him to teach it to you. You got to have something. Even in my workplace, I ran into situations where I simply don't understand. And I sit there with the open book that I may have to learn something for work. And I ask the Holy Spirit, please, can you show me how to do this? I don't understand. And he will begin to break that thing down for me. Why? Because he teaches all things, but I have to. I have to have it in me first. I have to have it in me first for him to be able to teach it to me, for him to be able to, to minister it effectively through me, effectively through me. Now I'm going to sidebar here in a sense, because there's a point that I want to focus on here. And I might have to, it might take me a minute. So I might have to continue with the church of Thyatira next week if I don't get through it all this week. But I got to break down this point to you that God shared with me. And when he talked about to this church, when he said, I know your deeds and your faith and your service. See, some of us, we have, we have work, we have faith, and we are, we are committing and, and, and doing 
uh, what we believe to be a service to God without finding out if that's what God really wants. And then, and then even after this period, I said this earlier, we're doing even more of the same. We're doing even more of the same because that is what we're comfortable with. So I begin to ask God, how did this church get to this state? where they started out doing the works of their hand, the works of their mind, the works that um, were, that they had the gifts to do. And then ultimately out over time just continued and did even greater of the same. They did more of the same thing, even greater of the same thing. And I, I asked him, I said, so their, their works were more numerous and more greater than the first. And it still was not what you required. And this is how he broke it down to me. He said, I created man in my own likeness and in my own image, you know, Genesis 1 And he said, I did that. I did that. How did I do that? I did that by depositing a piece of myself in each one. When did I do that? When I blew into them the breath of life, Genesis 2 and 7, where it says, then the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Now think about this for a moment. He breathed into man the breath of life. As human beings, we take anywhere from 12 to 17 breaths in a minute, in a minute. And now we're talking about God using one, one breath, and it gave man a whole life, one breath. So imagine, and, and let's let's bring it to uh, um, paint a picture, if you will, so that we can understand what was happening here. If we take 12 to 16, 12 to 17 breaths a minute, just imagine if we could create an entire human being with each breath. So that's 12 to 16 human beings that we'd be creating. Now we don't know how many breaths that Christ him, that, that God himself breathes, but every breath he blew a breath, just a breath into man and gave man an entire life, an entire life. Then, then he placed in him, he placed a piece of him, a piece of him. That's him, him blowing his breath into us, God blowing his breath into us. That's him placing a piece of himself in us, strategically placing a piece of himself in us and then taking us, I'm going slow for a reason, and then taking us, taking us, um, taking us who are considered to be his bride, the church, and he's the bridegroom, you know, and so taking us, right, taking us, and then strategically, strategically placing us in the body, in the body. He strategically put us with his breath in us, in the body. And First uh, Corinthians 12, 18 says, but in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. That's what the NIV version says. So with that goal, now remember, he took a breath, blew it in the human being as he created him, after he created him and formed him from the dust and one of God's breaths created a whole life. It created a whole life. And, and the goal, the goal, the goal was to place 
the breath that is in us strategically in the body. God's breath in us placed strategically in the body, in the church, with the goal as in Ephesians 4.15, NIV version says, with a truth spoken in love that we would grow so that that breath would, would, would grow and consume, grow and consume to become an aspect of a mature, a mature being in Christ. We'd be, we'd be a part of that whole body now, joined together by every supporting ligament, constantly growing, being built in love. And we're each doing our part in Christ. Each of us, each breath of God in us, maturing, connecting with the next breath of God in the next person, in the next person who is growing and we're each doing our part. See, this helped me to understand. And this is what Christ said to me. This is how one chases a thousand because it's one Christ's breath and one me connected to another Christ's breath in you. And we're supplying each other so we're maturing and we're growing because you have a, a breath that I don't have. I have a breath that you don't have. And we're sharing breaths. And together, we're building Christ. We're building Christ. We're growing into the stature of Christ. So one now, one breath is now chasing a thousand. One being all me Christ's breath joined with your breath, right? And so now my breath, my one breath of of God in me joined with the one breath of God that's in you. That's two. Now we're chasing two. Now we're chasing 10,000. Now we're chasing 10,000. So, and the two will chase 10,000. Remember that scripture? It is the replication. It is the duplication of me, of Christ, of Christ working with me, Christ that will produce that greater work. So look at it this way. When Christ came to the earth, right? And remember, there was only one, one, one Jesus Christ, and he was God in the flesh. When he came to the earth, it was only one him. He took 12 disciples and deposited a piece of himself. And those 12 disciples managed to affect and infect and effect the entire world. They managed to affect, infect, and effect the entire world. So just imagine, if you will, if Christ would die on the cross, die on the cross, he would descend and then ascend. And as he ascended, he gave gifts to man, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And then he gave other gifts to the body. So imagine if his breath, one breath is in me and one breath is in you and we join together and we join together and we all die and we all die, we all descend from our own personal feelings, from our own earthly, worldly wants, our own desires, but we die and we descend when we east, when, and then we ascend. 
So when we ascend, then that is Christ several times over descending. That is Christ several times over ascending. That is Christ several times over giving the gifts of an apostle, giving the gifts of a prophet, giving the gifts of evangelists, pastors, and teachers, giving the other gifts unto man, the administrators' gifts, the gifts of healing several times over, several times over. He's re- Repeat. It is like a a rinse and repeat, or or we can say it like a like a die, and rinse. Die. I'm saying uh, rinse and repeat, but I'm saying die, arise, repeat. Die, descend, ascend, repeat. Descend, ascend, repeat. My breath connects with your breath. We all mature into the likeness and the image of Christ affecting over 10,000. Why? Because we all, we all have Christ. So we all several times Christ descend, ascend, give, give gifts, descend, ascend, give gifts, descend, ascend, give gifts. This is how, this is how one affects a thousand and two affect 10,000. Where are we stuck in the church? Where are we stuck in the church? We are stuck because no one wants to join with the other breath of Christ. No one wants to join with the other life of Christ to, to mature, to grow up into the stature of Christ. So what we have is breath alone. Breath and Christ did not give us that example. Christ came and he poured himself into his disciples. We get Christ and we hold it to ourselves. We hold that breath, that life of Christ to ourselves. And we don't want to join with others. We don't want to join with the other breath of Christ. So what happens is one breath is an immature breath and can do no work. One breath is an immature breath that cannot descend, that cannot die. One breath is an immature breath that cannot die, that cannot, that cannot descend, that cannot ascend. One breath is an immature death that cannot descend, that cannot ascend, that cannot give gifts unto man. One breath is an immature breath that cannot descend, that cannot ascend, that cannot give apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists, and no gifts to men because they want to hold it one breath to yourself. That's why you have no power. That's why you have no power because you refuse, you refuse to work as Christ intended for us to work. You refuse to, to descend. You refuse to ascend, get comfortable in hell. You get comfortable in that place of lack. You get comfortable in that place of poverty. You get comfortable not having to work for Christ. You get comfortable not having to trust God. You get comfortable. You get comfortable in the place of hell. You get comfortable in the desolate place, the place of nothing. We get comfortable there. Why? That's easier. That's easier than allowing my breath to connect with her breath and her breath, which is connected to his breath and his breath, which is connected to her breath. And then her breath, which is connected to their breath. It's, it's too, I'm, I'll stay right here in the place of dissension because I recognize the desolation. 
And to see the desolation doesn't require anything out of me. The desolation doesn't require that I be uncomfortable. I can sit in this place of desolation and lack and poverty and not operating and what God called me to. I can be happy here because I recognize everything here. I can have my own mind here. I can do what I want to do. I can work the work of my hands. I can work the work with my mind. Anything I can, anything I can perceive with my mind, I can work it. Anything that is available to me with my hand, I can work it. Anything, any gift that I may have, I can work it from right here in this place of desolation and separatism. I can work it from right there. So I'm comfortable right there. In the meantime, there's a gap in the body because we won't cooperate with God. And now you have one joint reaching and extending themselves, trying to connect to the next joint because we won't take our rightful place in God. We won't allow discomfort to be our place of God. We won't allow, we won't allow Christ to use us for his glory because him using us, we're unfamiliar with that. We're uncomfortable with that because we don't know sometimes what God is going to say through us and we're not comfortable not knowing. We must know everything. Do you know how long it took me to get comfortable with not knowing I've learned that it's okay not to know everything. I had to learn that. I will study and I will do my part, but I had to get comfortable with what? Revelation. I had to get comfortable with the wisdom of God pouring out through me and speaking to me at the same time that he's speaking to you. That's a lot of discomfort. And we're not used to that. So we'll go back into our pulpits with the with the same hallelujah message and the same hallelujah dance and the same dancers and choirs and 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 processes and procedures because we are comfortable with that. We are comfortable with that. We won't challenge ourselves. We won't challenge ourselves to our necks. We won't challenge ourselves to that place of discomfort. A lot of us cannot grow in Christ because we won't allow ourselves to be challenged to that next level. As soon as somebody says something that you don't like, or as soon as someone says something that you're unfamiliar with, you immediately want to um, take your bat and your ball and go home. You don't want to play no more. Soon as somebody says something that you don't like, if you're in a place of authority, as soon as somebody says something you don't like, you want to fire them. You want to dismiss them out of your presence because they're saying something that you're not comfortable with. They're saying something that you're not familiar with. And even though they can show you what God is saying through the scriptures, you still don't want that. You'd rather give God more more of the same work, more of the same deeds, because you want God to accept what you're offering him as a sacrifice. And right now is stinking in his nostrils. It stinks in his nostrils. He does not want what some of us are offering him. And guess what? He's not going to receive it. 
He's not going to receive it. If you insist, he's never going to trespass your choices. You have to give God permission to trespass your choice. When I'm struggling with a decision or I'm struggling trying to um, trying to understand a different situation or a different circumstance, I, I give God permission. You have permission to change my mind. You have permission to make the necessary adjustments in my heart. And I promise you, he does it every time I wake up and I feel differently. I just feel differently about it. And I begin, and all of a sudden I understand that is nothing but God because I have a strong will and I have a strong personality. Most prophets and prophetess do. We have strong wills and we have strong personalities. So I have to ask God, change my mind. I give you permission to change my mind, to change my thought process. Now that works both ways because there are times when God will show me something and I'll say, it can't be that. It can't be that. And so I'll, I'll leave it alone. And what will happen is I have to give them permission. If I'm, if I'm not saying or I'm not doing what you are requiring of me to do, I give you permission to keep hammering it. You are a you are allowed God to keep bringing it up before me and he'll keep bringing it up before me. I told you about that. I told you not to do that. I told you to tell them that I don't care. I don't care. Tell them again. I told you to put this. I don't care if you don't understand what I mean. You'll understand when I, it comes out your mouth. Write that down. That's what I want you to say. And I do it every time and he'll just keep coming and I give him permission to. We have to give God permission to intrude on our places of comfort and make us, make us uncomfortable. And then when we get uncomfortable, we have to ask God, help me to stay in this place of discomfort so that I can see your will and your purpose manifesting in my life. Why? Because if we do not go to verse 20, this is the charge. This is the charge. The letter says, this is the charge God is saying that I have against you, that you tolerate you tolerate the woman Jezebel. She calls herself to be a prophetess. She's claiming to be one who inspires. She teaches. She misleads. She misleads the bond service to the point where they're committing sexual acts of immorality. They are eating food that is sacrificed to idols. What does this sound like? It sounds like a graduation a graduated state of what we've been reading before. When he talked to the churches, let me see here. When he talked to the churches, uh, when he talked to, uh, let's see, the other churches that went through Ephesus, when he talked to, um, let's see, when he talked to, not so much so, uh, was it Smyrna too? When he talked to Smyrna, when he talked to um, Pergamos, when he talked to those churches, it was first, okay, first you left your first love. And it was evident that you left your first love when you started doing works that I didn't request, works that I didn't ask. First, you left your first love. And then if that's not enough, after you leave your first love, now the people are that you that you that that are around you, they're harassing you. They're harassing you for even even having been with me. For even having been with me, they're harassing you. Okay, now we're down here at Church of Thyatira, and now all of all of those things, all of those things, the you left your first love 
for, for the entrance of a form of Gnosticism where you can sit and say, I'm going to separate the spirit from the flesh and the works of the flesh don't matter. All that matters is that I stay with the spirit. I'm going to separate, I'm going to, I'm going to separate uh my 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 being like that. And now all of a sudden you've assigned to that being a leader. Now you've assigned to 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 your to your uh to your lack of faith leadership. Now you've assigned to your unwillingness to be uncomfortable. Now you've decide, assigned to your comfort, your place of comfort, a leader. And that leader promotes what you want. That leader promotes the fact that you can eat food that sacrifice the idols, that you can commit acts of sexual immorality. You can commit all those acts of the flesh that make you comfortable in your spirituality, you, you now assigned a leader to it. So now he's saying, I got, I got a problem with you because now you're tolerating the woman Jezebel. You're tolerating it to the point where you've assigned leadership to it because she was a leader of nations. So you assigned leadership to it now. And she was, um, we know about her now. Remember she was Ahab's wife. Remember her? We're talking about where she protected idolatry. She she persecuted the prophet. So she wasn't having you come and tell any truth other than the truth that she desired for you to tell. Right. And then she pretended to be a prophetess. So she was prophesying anything that you wanted to hear, that the people wanted to hear, whatever put them and seduced them into that place of comfort, into that place of comfort. She allowed them to sacrifice the idols. They didn't have to hear from prophets or prophetess. They only had to hear from her prophets telling them what they wanted to hear, which was that they could do anything they wanted in the flesh. They literally assigned a leader to it. So we went the next level. First, you left your first love. And then once you left your first love, you got tired and it exhausted with being harassed with all the paganism around you, all the different influences around you saying, you don't have to do that. You don't have to be committed in your flesh. Just be committed in your spirit. You can do whatever you want in your flesh. Now they're at a state where they've assigned leadership to their place of comfort. They've assigned protection to their place of comfort. They've assigned defense They've assigned a defense to their place of comfort. And Christ is saying here in verse 21, I gave her time to repent, to change her inner self and her sinful way of thinking. The Amplified Bible says it that way. And it says, but she has no desire to repent of her immorality excuse me, no desire. She refuses, as a matter of fact, to do so. She refuses to do so. So you've assigned, you've now, they've now assigned to their place of comfort where they can work the will of their hands and the will of their mind and the will of their art, where they can do what they want to do in their flesh. They've now assigned it leadership. They've assigned it leadership that has no desire to repent. So what they're saying here in the scripture is a place like this. And when you get to this point, you have no desire to repent. You've actually assigned an defense, assigned a defense 
to your place of comfort. You've assigned a defense to the work of your hand, to the work of your own mind, to the work of your own gifts. You've decide, assigned a leadership. You've assigned a defense to your to your um, to your place of dissension where you refuse to ascend. I refuse to come up. Every gift God gave me is mine and I'm going to work it from this place of comfort. Everything that everything that God has taught me how to do that breath that he put in me, I'm going to use it for my will. I'm going to use God's breath for my purpose. I'm going to use this flesh that he created. I'm going to use these hands for my purpose. I'm going to use this mind for my purpose. Every gift that God has given me, I'm going to use it for my purpose. In this place of dissension, I'm going to make myself comfortable because here in this desolate place, I am everything. I am everything. I have all the gifts. I can do everything. I can put together the program. I can do see it. I have to, I had to be careful because I am organized. Like I can do those things. So I'm always careful to make sure that what I am doing is what Christ called for. If Christ did not call for, I tell, I tell anyone, if if God's not in that, I can't do it. I can't even produce it. I, Cause why? Because I told God, cut it off. I give you permission. Whatever comes about that has my hands to assign to work it, if it's not God, I can't even make it happen. I can't even put a plan together. I don't know. I don't know. Every every door I go to, I'm not going to shut it in my face. I'm all right. I'll get over it. Just shut it right in my face. Every person I try to connect with, if you don't want me connected, shut it down. Shut the relationship down. It's all right if you make them not like me. I'll get over my feelings. See, we're not we're not willing to do that because we don't want our feelings to be hurt. We're not willing to do that because we don't want doors shut in our face. We don't like that. That's uncomfortable. That rejection is uncomfortable. Don't you know that I was born and and in rejection? Prophets, we are born in rejection. When are we going to get comfortable? Saints of God, when are we going to get comfortable with being rejected? Get comfortable being rejected. That is God's gift to you. That whatever he doesn't want you to have will literally spew you out. Will literally throw you away. Why aren't we comfortable with being rejected? Why do we seek after friends who don't want to be our friends? Why do we seek after friends that want to kill us? Why do we want to be, why do we want to be so close with people that don't want us around? You got to get comfortable with being rejected. It is God's way of protecting you. It's a thing. It's okay. It's okay. Get come. I've been rejected from birth and I've learned to get comfortable with that. I've learned because it's a gift. It's a gift from God when people don't want you around, when certain people don't want to share their platform or don't want you on their platform leaders or don't want you in their churches or don't, don't want to invite you. That's a good thing because you bring a truth. Be, be scared if everybody wants you around. Be afraid if everybody wants to come to your programs. Be afraid if everybody wants to be a part of what you're doing, because then that would tell you that's probably not God. You being set up, you are being set up. So we have to be careful to make sure that we don't go assigning a defense, a leader, as it were, to our place of comfort so that we can maintain it, so that we can keep it. 
our place of security. And this is what God is saying here in verse 22. He says, listen carefully in the Amplified Version. Listen carefully. I will throw her. And he's talking about your defense. He's talking about Jezebel here. I will throw your defense. I will throw your protection on a bed of sickness. And those who decide to lay down with it, those who decide to have adultery with it, those who decide to allow it to enter their course, I will bring them into a great anguish unless they repent unless they repent of her deeds, unless they repent of her protection, unless they repent of her ways that cause you to exercise your flesh according to your will. Unless you repent, he says, I'm going to bring about a great anguish. And then he says, verse 23, and I will kill her children, meaning I will kill her followers. So I will kill your defense. He's saying, I will kill, I will kill that which protect that which you've set up to protect you and your place of comfort. I will kill it with a pestilence, thoroughly annihilating them. And all the churches will know. All the churches will know. So all the folks that I put my breath in, that have descended, that have now ascended, they will recognize, they will recognize without any doubt that it was God who searches, that it is God who searches the minds and the hearts, the innermost thoughts, your purposes. He searches your purposes, the Amplified Version tells. And he says, I will give to you, I will give to each and every one of you, a reward of punishment. So your defense will only work but a short while. Punishment will await you on the other side of your defense, on the other side of your comfort, on the other side of the work of your hand, on the other side of the work of your mind, on the other side of the work of your own plan and your own will. It's all according to your deeds. He says to them in verse 24, but to the rest of you in Thyatira, to those of you, to those of you who do not hold this teaching, where you have not assigned a defense, a leader, as it were, to your place of comfort. You have not, you have not explored and known the depths of Satan. You chose the difficult path. You, the difficult path of being uncomfortable. You chose the difficult path of being rejected. You chose that path. He said, as they call them, I place no other burden on you. The only thing he says in verse 25, I want you to do is to hold tightly to what you have until I come. And he, in verse 26, who overcomes the world, though believing, through believing that Jesus is the son of God, and he who keeps my deeds, they do things that please me. Again, he who overcomes the world through believing. So if you can hold on to your belief and if you can continue to do what pleases God until the very end, guess what you get? Authority. You get authority and power over the nations. Why are you getting a power and authority over the nations? Because Jezebel was a leader. She was a power. 
and an authority over nations. So to resist her, what he's saying is, I will give you what she thought she had. So that 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 defense that you have protecting you, protecting your works, if you will forfeit that today, if you will forfeit the work of your hand, the work of your mind, and if you will forfeit that place of dissension, that desolate place and ascend and ascend to life in Christ and be able to give gifts unto men and to be able to distribute administrative gifts to the body of Christ. If you will do that, if you will do that, God said, I will give you authority and power over nations. How is that power? And how can you be trusted with that power and authority over nations? Why? Because when he gave you his first breath, you connected with the joint that supplied you with their with their breath and you grew into the stature and the image and you matured into the image of Christ to the point where you ascended and you were able to give gifts unto man. Now you can be trusted. You can be trusted with authority and power over nations. And verse 27 says, and he shall shepherd and he will rule them with a rod of iron as earthen pots are broken in pieces as I also have received authority and power to rule them. So you will rule as Christ rules from my father. So the same power that Christ has from his father, he's going to share that with you and you will have authority and you will have power over nations. And he says, and I will give them the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear and heed what the spirit Heed and hear. Heed, listen, obey, obey and hear. Obey and hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. The church, Christ's by who Christ is coming back for, his bride, whom he is coming back for. Hear what he is saying to us today. Hear what he is saying to us today. Forsake that place of comfort, forsake that place that allows you to do the work of your own hand and your own will and your own mind and your own thought. Replace that place with the place of ascension where your breath of life that Christ gave to you is being shared and fully joined in with the next joint and the next breath, growing and maturing into the likeness and image of Christ, dying to your own needs, dying to your own wants and fleshly desires, descending so that you can ascend and you too can multiply. You can multiply into giving gifts unto men of apostleship. I'm giving you a gift right now. My gift is multiplying right now. Apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. It's multiplying right now. Why? Because I descended and I ascended. You descended and you ascended. You're multiplying. You're multiplying Christ in you. That breath that he breathed in you is connected with yet another breath that he breathed into another living soul. And it is multiplying and replicating him in the earth realm of people who can stand in God's 
purpose, in that place of being uncomfortable, in that place, in that place of being uncomfortable, of being rejected, but we're standing in Christ fully comfortable in the understanding that we have his promises. We have his grace because we're walking in his will and in his purpose. And in his purpose, we cannot in this season, in this season, draw back to that which is familiar. We must move forward. We must move forward and grab hold of that which scrapes our hands, that which makes us uncomfortable to hold on to it, that which makes us feel insecure, that which makes us feel like we don't know it all and we don't have it all. Whatever it takes to get you to that place where you lean not to your own understanding, but you must acknowledge, you must acknowledge Christ in all your ways. That's the place that we want to be standing in. Why? Because that's a place where God can fully use us for his will, where he can fully use us for his purpose. That is a place where God can move in us and through us. Why? Because it's no more us. It's no more us. It's just him. It's just him. It's just him. So cast all your burdens and your cares today on him because he does indeed care for you. He does give him permission Give him permission to take out of your hands, to take out of your mind, to take out of your thoughts, to take out of your plans, your will, your will, and allow him to insert his will. Let's pray. God, in the name of Jesus, we humbly kneel before you and we repent today of allowing our will, our purpose, our flesh to control our destiny and our purpose and to guide and lead us. We repent today for assigning protection and leadership and a defense to our place of comfort, our desolate place of lack and poverty in the spirit. And God, we choose today to ascend. We choose today, God, to connect with the breath and the humanity and the earth realm that you, God, have, 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 have placed us to connect in the body with. And God, we choose, we choose to grow into the stature of the measure that is Christ. And we choose, oh God, for your breath in us to replicate that one breath to chase a thousand, those two to chase 10,000. We choose to replicate and multiply and consume and consume and take over the earth and consume and take over its resources that we might build the kingdom of God. That we might, that we might make a haven and a resting place for your worship, for your praise, oh God, that you might draw nigh unto us and that your people might draw nigh unto you. You said that if we could lift you up, God, that you would draw all men unto you. We desire today to lift you up and we command you to draw all men unto you, O oh God. We submit to your will and your 
purpose. We submit to your way. We submit our mind to your mind, our heart to your heart, our mouth to your mouth, our hands to your hands, our feet to your feet. God uses for your glory. And as the road, God begins to expand and get wider, help us to stay on this narrow path, God, where you will guide our footsteps, oh God, that place that you prepared, God, to that place that you prepared where our foot will not slip because you'll be forever holding us up with your right hand. Help us, God. We don't want to lean to our own understanding, but we want to acknowledge you in all our ways. We want to keep our eyes fixed on you like a flit. We don't want to look to the left or the right, oh God. We want to be fixed on you, on your promises, on your will, on your purpose, in our heavenly seat, communing with you daily. We give you glory and we give you honor and we bless your holy name. And we thank you, oh God, for being our keeper. We thank you, oh God, for being our Lord. We thank you, oh God, for being our deliverer, our savior and our God. And we bless your holy name. And we bless your holy name. And we bless your holy name. And we bless, we bless your holy name. I thank you so much for joining me on this evening. And I'll see you next week on Monday at 7 p.m. I am praying for each and every one of you under the sound of my voice. Keep me and my family in your prayers. We love you and God bless you.